Well, good morning. It's wonderful to see you all here this morning. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Connect. Right now, our Merge students are heading out to their class. You guys are fantastic. Have a great morning. That's our fifth graders who are going into sixth grade and will be in our youth group this fall, so they get to uh, have a little bit of a class just for them. But um, we are going to continue on in our series called Life Hacks. But right before we do, I want to give you a little bit of an update, because uh, you may or may not know that uh, me and a friend, Lucas, we decided uh, a few months ago that we were going to ride our bikes to St. Louis to raise money for our upcoming mission trip, and uh, I am very uh, pleased to announce that we made it. We, uh, we got all the way from Washington to St. Louis. That's <laughs> Thank you. That's my favorite picture because those smiles are completely genuine. And that's a smile of like, I can't believe we, we did this. Uh, day one was 107 miles. Day two was 80 miles. Uh, you know you're in for a rough time when you wake up on day two and you're excited because it's only 80 miles you have to ride. Uh, normally, I don't wake up saying that. Um, for those who were asking, it was pretty tough, tough on the legs. Um, this is the seat of the bike that I was riding. So... Uh, <laughs> At least this is what it felt like after uh, the end of day one. So day two wasn't a huge amount of fun. But um, the truth is, it was uh, great. And to be honest with you, a lot of you posted stuff on Facebook and sent texts and messages. And that was super encouraging as we were like kind of exhausted just to, to keep us going. But um, just for those who are new to Connect, I want to kind of catch you up on why we did this. We're raising money for the missions trip that we'll be leaving on in about 10 days' time to go down to Ecuador. And it's a pretty cool story. So when we started Connect about five years ago, we, we knew that one of our values here as a church would be to impact the lives of children. We just think that if you can make the difference in the life of a child, and then you can change their lives forever. Uh, so we've put a lot of emphasis into that here at Connect locally. We have some wonderful leaders, some wonderful junior leaders, great programs with Connect Kids. If you're a family here this morning, I'm sure your kids are in for a treat. Maybe they've come home and told you about what a great experience it is in Connect Kids. Uh, but we didn't want to just do that locally. We wanted to do something globally as well. So we partnered with an organization called Compassion, and Compassion work around the world with children who are in poverty. And they help um, go into communities and partner children living in poverty, children who are um, just really through no fault other than the fact that that's where they were born, are struggling uh, to just have what you and I take for granted every day. Fresh, clean water, food, education, sanitation, medical needs, that kind of thing. But Compassion have made this um, decision that they will only go into a community where there's a local church that they can partner with because they really believe that part of the whole experience is to introduce these children to Jesus as well and really just impact every area of their lives. So we as a church, we found out that there are some areas around the world, and we, we kind of targeted the country of Ecuador, where there are children ready to be sponsored, children ready to be helped, but Compassion can't go into that community yet because there's no local church. We even found out that there is a pastor ready to pastor that church, but all they lack is the finances to literally just build the building, put up the bricks and the, uh, the walls and the roof. So we found out that for $80,000, you could build a church in that community and a Compassion Children's Center. So um, we've actually built three churches now. So with funds that you've given over the years, money from the offerings, different special uh, offerings we've done, that kind of thing, over the last three years, we've been able to build three different churches, or we've helped to build three different churches uh, throughout South America. And one of them was in Ecuador, and that's where we're going in two weeks' time. 
We're going to get to go to the church and the children's center that we helped to build. So the money that I raised on the bike ride and I'm still raising is going to go towards helping make that missions trip uh, the most successful it can be. So I think this morning I checked, we were about 2,600. I'd love to at least get to 3,000. That'd be awesome. So if you haven't donated yet, maybe you didn't donate because you thought there's no way he's going to make it. Well, I did. You saw the picture, so, and uh, despite an accusation from Brad Mahoney, we did have a van that was traveling with us, but the van went on to the next stop, and we did ride our bikes. We didn't put the bikes in the van and just ride down there. Uh, we rode our bikes from stop to stop, and we did make it. So if you would still like to donate, uh, every penny that we raise will go towards this upcoming missions trip. Uh, you can donate at cycleforcompassion.com, and it would be awesome if we could just hit that 3,000 mark. We're, uh, we're learning more and more about what we're going to get to do while we're down there, and it's just really exciting. On the Saturday, we're going to do a vacation Bible school for about 200 of these children, and we have to take everything with us. We've got to take all the supplies, all the materials, everything we need, um, but we're going to get to, to minister, to just share Jesus, share the love of Jesus with these kids. Um, they've asked me to speak on the Sunday in the church, so I'm pretty excited about that. The church that we helped to build, I'm going to get to meet this pastor and tell him that this church and connect in Washington, Illinois was a part of their story. We were a part of helping to uh, get them started here in Ecuador. Uh, they told me I have to speak a little bit shorter to allow time for the trans later, and I said, actually, that's fine, because at my church, we need a translator as well, because people can't understand a word I say back in Washington, as the video alluded to, so... But um, so thanks very much again for any of you who did give, and uh, I, we super appreciate it. Luke and I, both of us, it just meant such a lot to us, and uh, we will uh, next weekend be telling you more about the missions trip. We're going to have a chance to pray with the group that's leaving, and then uh, when we get back, we're going to have a service where we'll just share stories and show videos and pictures of all that God did down in that, that community in Ecuador. So let's jump into this morning's message. We're in this series called Life Hacks. If you're visiting today, uh, the idea behind the series is that uh, in the Old Testament, in the old part of the Bible, about a thousand years before Jesus himself was born, a man by the name of Solomon was born. Solomon uh, was the son of King David, and Solomon was the uh, heir to the throne. He knew that when David passed away, he was now going to become the king, and he was very overwhelmed at this responsibility. Uh, so he prayed, and he asked God. God said, what would you like? And he said, of all the things I'd like, I don't want riches, I don't want power, I don't want to defeat my enemies, I just want wisdom. Because my father David was such a great king, I want wisdom. So Solomon prayed for wisdom and God answered his prayer. God gave him this incredible wisdom and still today we're tapping into that wisdom. In fact, this series, Life Hacks, is looking at a collection of sayings that um, amongst others Solomon wrote called Proverbs. And throughout this book of Proverbs, we've discovered that there are some incredibly profound and deep and wise sayings that were written thousands of years ago, but actually are still as relevant today as they were back then. And this guy, Solomon, he wrote these things down, and, and we're still learning from them today. We've been talking about um, just the, the different aspects of wisdom in different ways it shows itself, and... If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we, we read this verse from Proverbs chapter 3. It says, talking of wisdom, she offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Now, I don't know if you caught that phrase there, but wisdom, she will guide you down delightful paths. Given the choice, I think, between disastrous paths and delightful paths, I know which one I'd rather find myself on. 
Because I can think of times when I didn't listen to wisdom and I found myself on a, on a not so delightful path. So I love that verse that the idea of the wisdom wants to direct you to these delightful paths. Last week, we learned that if we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, if we don't depend on our own understanding, if we seek his will in all that we do, he will show us which path to take. I love that idea that, that God wants to show us which path to take. So we're learning here in Proverbs that God really does care a lot about which path you and I take in our lives. So much so that there's actually another proverb, and this is the one I want to focus on this morning. Um, Solomon actually uses this proverb to address the danger of choosing the wrong path. Listen to what he says in Proverbs 14, verse 12. It says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. He must really think this is an important life hack to be aware of because he actually says it again a couple of chapters later in Proverbs chapter 20, Proverbs 16, verse 25. He says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. So it sounds like, doesn't it, that wisdom wants to help us find the right path in life, but it also, wisdom wants to make sure that we don't find ourselves on the wrong path. Because I don't know if you caught this, but um, when you look back at that verse, it says that the wrong path, it actually may not appear to be the wrong path. Some of us could be on the wrong path and not even realize it. Because Solomon is saying it may seem right. There is a way that appears to be right. It seems to be right. But in the end, can lead to death. So I don't want to be on the wrong path. I don't want to find myself on the wrong path, especially if at the time it may seem to be right. There's nothing worse, is there, than, than being on a journey or being on the path and you're convinced you're going the right direction only to find out that you're not. Nothing illustrates this better than that story of that famous historical event of those two great explorers who were making their way across America. That's right, I'm talking about Harry and Lloyd. Harry and Lloyd. While Harry was asleep one night, Lloyd inadvertently arrived at a sign that said, Aspen this way, Lincoln, Nebraska this way. They were heading to Colorado. He turned right instead of left. Six hours later, Harry wakes up only to discover for the last six hours they've been driving in the completely wrong direction. They get into this big fight and they realize that they are now a sixth of the way across the country in the completely wrong direction. Now, the road may have seemed right as he was driving, but as Harry was quick to point out, it took him in the completely wrong direction. Now, fortunately, in this particular story, it didn't end in death. It actually turned out okay. Check it out. You know, Lloyd... Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> so fortunately, due to a very wise decision of trading the van for a small scooter, uh, everything worked out okay. And by the way, for those... Uh, Keeping score at home, yes, in this series we have shown clips from Tommy Boy and Dumb and Dumber Now, which officially make this the greatest series we've ever had at Connects Church. 
So how do we make sure that we're not going in the wrong direction? How do we make sure that even though we're driving and we're feeling good, that we're not actually heading in the complete wrong direction? Because that's what Solomon says, doesn't he? He says, there is, a, there is a path that may seem right, but in the end could lead to death. I wish that said, there is a path and every step of the way, you are going to know you're wrong. You are going to know you're heading the wrong direction, but you're choosing to ignore the signs. You're choosing to ignore, you know, because you, you just want to go in the wrong direction. But that's not what it says. Solomon says when it comes to paths, there is a way that may seem right, but in the end can lead to death. So how do we make sure that we're not on that path? Well, last week, we, we kind of looked at a broad picture of how you can make sure. We talked to some very simple proverbs, oh, sorry, some very simple principles that we find in Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. Uh, to sum up that, that little portion of Proverbs there, we need to trust God. Don't try and figure it all out and find him in everything. If we do those three things, trust God, don't try to figure it all out, find him in everything, we learned last week that we will find the right path. That's how we discover the right path to take. And while this is a great principle, and I believe it to be true, this week I wanna go a bit deeper. I wanna get a bit more practical, because I think if Solomon is saying there is a path that leads to death but may seem right at the time, I wanna know for sure how we can discover if we're on the right path. When you're deciding what path you should take and whether that choice is um, a career change or what college you're going to go to, it could be a choice to do something that might have dramatic consequences on you or the one you love. It could simply be the choice as to whether I'm going to step onto the path of following Jesus or not step onto that path. How do we know which path we should follow? Well, the answer is wisdom. She is the one who's nudging you in the right direction, the one whispering in your ear, showing herself in the form of something called discernment. Let me explain real briefly here this morning how discernment works. I mean, practically, this is what the word discernment means. Discernment is that voice that, that whispers in your ear. That chicken doesn't look all the way cooked. You probably shouldn't eat it. That, that's discernment, okay? Discernment is when the salesman says, hey, I'm gonna knock some money off this car, boat, iPhone, whatever it may be. It's gonna be a great deal. Discernment's like, I don't care if it's a great deal. That's still pretty expensive. That's a lot of money I have to spend. Discernment is that voice that says, you should probably figure out how deep that water is before you jump in. That's, that's discernment, okay? So I feel like I'm very qualified this morning to teach on this. I, I feel like I've got a real strong edge on discernment. So I want to give you three real practical tips here this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I think you're going to find these super helpful as you live out your relationship with Jesus. If you're not, and you're just kind of here checking things out, then listen in. I want to kind of share what I think the Bible teaches about how we can tap into that discernment, that wisdom. Because I believe that God really does care about the path we choose to, to walk on. I believe he really cares about us and our lives and which path we choose to take. So there are these three practical ways that can help us decide which path to take. The first one is just to listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, he is wanting to communicate with you, to guide you, to speak to you. And who better than Jesus to help direct our paths? Listen to what Jesus said about himself. In John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Another translation puts it this way. It says, I am the path, the truth, and the energy of life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
You want to know what path to take? The greatest path you can ever take will be one that will definitely not bring you to death, will actually bring you to eternal life, and that is a relationship with Jesus. It's the path of following Jesus. So first and foremost, over and above anything else this morning, the best path that any one of us can walk is the path of following Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am the path. Many here have already made that, mistake, that decision, that decision to follow Jesus. And, and if you're still unsure, that nudge you're feeling, that kind of drawing towards him, that tug on your heart, that's discernment, that's wisdom. That's Jesus himself drawing you towards him. For those of you who've already made a decision to follow him, he is wanting to speak to you in your life. He's wanting to guide you. Now, I know that sounds simple, and maybe some of you have heard someone, or maybe even me, say something like, well, God told me, or I was, I was doing this, and I heard God say. I can remember we hadn't been going for long as a church, and one of the great things about when we launched here at Connect was we, uh, and still to this day, we find this happening. We just, we, we have a lot of families and a lot of people who come to Connect for the very first time, many of whom have no church background, who didn't grow up going to church. So we have to keep kind of reminding ourselves and everything we say and everything we teach and everything we do that we can't take it for granted that people are familiar with this. A lot of this stuff may be new to some people. And I can remember talking to somebody in the church and she said she was having a conversation with someone that was kind of new to Connect and she was just telling her this story and in the process of telling her this story, she goes, yeah, and I was, I was kind of trying to figure out what to do and then I'd, I heard God tell me, you know, you should do this and I made this decision and the girl, she kind of stopped her and said, whoa, whoa, you heard God tell you? What do you mean you heard God tell you? How does that work? And this friend of mine who'd been a, a follower of Jesus for a long time suddenly realized, wow, I, I kind of take that for granted. I, I kind of understand what that's like. And, and here I am talking to somebody who doesn't really understand how that works, what that looks like. So when this person said, how do you hear from God? How do you know it's God talking to you? That's a fantastic question. One I'm going to try and answer this morning in this, this idea of what it looks like to listen to Jesus. You see, I don't think it's really an audible voice, although throughout the Bible and even in modern times, you'll meet people who have heard clearly God speak to them. But um, I don't think it's so much an audible voice. It's more of an impression or a thought, but it's a, it is a voice that you can learn to recognize over time. As you follow Jesus, it becomes kind of that, that inner voice, that inner discussion that, that over time you start to learn to recognize, this is Jesus guiding me in this situation. And sometimes it takes time to learn to recognize that voice. I, uh, my phone number has an 847 area code. The reason is because about 15 years ago when I got a phone, uh, a new phone or the new cell phone provider, I happened to be living in Lake Zurich at the time, a northwest suburb of Chicago. So I got the phone number that was allocated up there. It began with 847, and I've never changed it. I've lived back in central Illinois in 309 lands for over 10 years now, and I've still got an 847 number. I could change it, but I'm just worried that maybe someone, a friend of mine from 12 years ago, just one day might decide they need to call or text, and if my number was changed, how would they reach me? I mean, outside of white pages, Facebook, Instagram, mutual friends, all that kind of thing, but um, there's a chance they wouldn't know how to get a hold of me. So I've held on to that number, okay? That's my number now. Now, it's not that big of a deal, but it causes a few problems when you live in a different area code. I, there'll be times where I'll call people, and I very rarely call people. No one calls people anymore. We text one another. But every now and again, there's a need to actually make a physical phone call. Uh, and nine times out of ten, when I call people, it goes straight to voicemail. 
Because I know there is someone on the other end going, Chicago, who's that? Voicemail. <laughs> and then I'll sit there for a couple of minutes because I know I'm going to get a call back very quickly. Oh, hey, Dave. I didn't realize it was you. Didn't realize it was your number. I was like, that's okay. Happens a lot. So, uh, but every now and again, one time out of 10, people actually do pick up. They answer. And here's how they answer that 847 area code. Hello. Hey, how's it going? It's Dave. Who? Who is this? What do you want? Because I know whoever I'm talking to is already suspicious. I'm trying to sell them something. I'm trying to cancel their internet. I'm the IRS telling them they owe money. I mean, they're just ready for some kind of conspiracy call, all right? So they're like, Ang-. I'll call people I know. Like friends, they'll ask, hello. Hey, Bob, it's Dave. Who? Who is this? Bob's Dave. Dave Jane, Connect Church. Garage. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just trying to explain. Because I can tell they're like mad. And I'm like, Dave, oh, Dave, DJ, oh, hey. And instantly their voice changes. And now I'm a friend, not a foe out to steal all their money. And, and you can hear the change take place on the phone call. It's a true story. It happens to me all the time. I mean, you think this voice would be recognizable, but apparently no. When I start talking, like, who are you? What are you talking about? Once they've heard me speak, once they get to know the number, now, now they kind of recognize me. The, the more I call, the more I speak to them, the more they recognize it's me. And I've found in my relationship with Jesus that to be true. There have been times where I felt like wisdom through the form of Jesus has been kind of guiding me in a decision to make. And I'm like, God, is that you? I'm not sure. I feel like Jesus, this is you guiding me. And I've taken that that step. And and then in hindsight, I've realized that was the exact right step to take. I've realized, and that's really kind of how faith works for a lot of us as followers of Jesus, that we want the firm, guaranteed answer. And it's just never there. It's always a step of faith. Even that first time when we ask Jesus into our heart, it's a step of faith. It's like, Jesus, I believe um, you are are real. I've seen the change in the life of my friends or my family. And and I'm going to take this step of faith. And very often, uh, many of you who are followers of Jesus will say, it wasn't until actually you decided to follow Jesus that you really felt, okay, this is for real. This has changed my life. So I'll hear this voice, this kind of nudge, this direction. I'll step in and I'll say, that was the right decision to make. And then in the future, I'll hear it again. And now I kind of recognize it because before it, it was kind of guiding me in the right way. And now I can kind of, and also, I'll not only hear that voice kind of nudging me in the direction of which path to take. Sometimes I'll, I'll sense that voice. I'll hear that voice saying, don't take that path. I can feel like the closer I get to that path, the louder that voice gets. That I realize, yeah, I just really feel like this is Jesus really kind of um, trying to guide me, steer me away from taking the wrong path. So one of the things we can do is, is to listen to Jesus. But here's the thing. There are people on death row right now who listen to the voices. <laughs> who God's told them to do something, okay? So, so just listening to Jesus alone, I don't know if that's the, uh, the, the only thing that you can rely on. So the second thing, and this really holds us in balance, okay, as well as listening to Jesus to guide us on the right path to take, there's the Word of God. And this is so important, okay? The Word of God is the Bible. It's this, this wonderful collection of letters and books and proverbs and written by dozens of different people over hundreds of different years, hundreds of years but gather together, point us towards Jesus. Gather together, point us towards what it means to, to follow God. The, these books and these letters gather together to, to explain this wonderful plan of redemption that God put into place to rescue every one of us. And not just rescue us, but then to show us how to live our lives. It's a great book to turn to. Psalm 119 um, 
talks about the word of God this way. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet. It's a light unto my path. If you want to avoid the path that leads to death, why not turn to the book that is a light unto your path? It's a light showing you which way to go. Let me give you an example. Let's say you find yourself in a, in a position where there's a business opportunity that presents itself and as a result of doing this, you could make a lot of money, but it means you have to cheat or lie or steal or something like that. There's, there's some kind of you know, negative, corrupt aspect to it. So you pray, you're like, God, should I do this? Should I lie, God? I could make a lot of money. I'd give you some. I could give it to the church. They need it for the mission strip. You know, maybe... You're not answering me, God. Shall I take that as a yes? Because I'm not hearing a voice saying you're okay with it. You know why you're not hearing a voice? Because there's already a voice. He's already told you what he thinks about it. You just turn to the Old Testament, you find this little portion called the Ten Commandments, and they have things like, you shall not lie, you shall not steal. It's right there. He's already spoken to us. Do you know I'm amazed when I meet followers of Jesus sometimes and they're choosing a path that is obviously the wrong one, but they tell me, well, Dave, God told me to do this. When it clearly goes against what God has spoken in the word of God in scripture. And it amazes me, they say, well, I've heard God speak to me. Well, you know what? I don't believe that God would contradict himself. That's why just subjectively listening to Jesus alone can be a dangerous place because sometimes we can hear what we want to hear. Maybe we've chosen not to recognize the voice of Jesus in our lives, and we're like, you know what? I'm going to listen to this voice. God's not going to contradict himself, so it's great to be able to pray and listen and, and follow those nudges of discernment and wisdom and guidance from Jesus. But the Bible, the Word of God, holds all of that in balance. It guides us, and very often... You can be praying for God to speak to you, and the answer is right there in the Word of God. You know, not only does it give us clear direction in how we should live our lives, that it teaches about things like forgiving and loving and uh, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. There's so much there that we don't need to ask God to speak to us because it's right there. The answer's there. But sometimes, as you're reading through the Bible, and I recommend for anyone, and I know it's hard sometimes, but there are some great plans out there. There are some great um, apps and tools that can help you kind of systematically, because it's not an easy book. It's not the book you just pick up and start on page one and read to the very end. There's a lot of stuff that's hard to kind of wade through. But there's a great apps and great Bible plans that you can read that can help you kind of systematically read through and learn more about what the Bible says. And when you do that, you'll start to find that God can speak to you through what you're reading. There'll be situations in your life, situations, paths you're, you're faced with, should I go this way or this way, and it'll, you'll read a scripture and it'll be like God knew that that was the day you needed to read that verse because of the, the fork in the road. He knows that you need to hear this. I think I can still, to this day, probably the most profound time this ever happened to me. I was in my late teens, early 20s. I'd been a follower of Jesus for two or three years now. And uh, I was praying about doing this missions program. It was a year-long program. And uh, you, you go away, and they did training. And then after the training, you went and worked in different churches. It was kind of a year-out experience. And some of my friends at church had done it. Some of my friends at church were going to do the next program in the fall. So I was praying about it, and, and in my heart, I was really kind of feeling like Jesus was nudging me, saying, this is what you're to do. I had a good job at the time. I was working for a company, and I was selling insurance, driving a, a company car, and uh, I was kind of on a commission as well as salary, and, and all the 
customers I had at that time were all buying insurance, so I, was, I really wasn't having to work that hard. It was a dream job for any 19, 20, 21 year old. So what I found myself doing was I could kind of map out my own schedule. So I built in no appointments after about 10 or 11 in the morning. All the appointments finished. Friday afternoon, there was never any appointments. Spent a lot of time putting my car in the garage at my parents' house and taking a nap. So that's where I was at in this stage of my life. And at the same time, I'm praying, saying, God, do you want me to do this missions program? I'm not sure. I'm enjoying the money. I like earning this money. You know, I'd have to give up a salary and do this, and it would be hard work. One morning, I'm reading my Bible, and I was in Proverbs. This plan I was doing took me to Proverbs, and this is the verse I read in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. A wise youth harvests in the summer, but one who sleeps during harvest is a disgrace. <laughs> so here's the crazy thing. I still, to this, I could take you to the place in my kitchen where I was reading this. I was eating breakfast and reading it at the same time. And I carried on reading. There was four or five verses I was reading that day, but I just couldn't stop reading this one. I kept going back to it. It was like a loud hate. It was like God saying, dude, this is for you. <laughs> You've got a choice. You can carry on sleeping all summer long. Do you know what the harvest is? The harvest is going out and telling people about Jesus. The Bible talks about the harvest sometimes as being telling people about Jesus. And I felt like right there in that moment, God was saying, you could join this missions program and you could tell people about Jesus and be a wise son or you could sleep and be a disgrace. I'll leave this here a couple of seconds longer so parents can take a picture of it and print it to go on their teenagers' uh, bedroom doors for uh, that back-to-school time, because it's coming. You know, the, the, the season's going to have to shift a little bit here. A wise youth harvests in the summer, but one who sleeps during harvest is a disgrace. It was just amazing reading that and just feeling like, God, I know that when Solomon wrote this down, he wasn't just writing it down for Dave Jane to read in 3,000 years when he was at a crossroads on whether he should choose this path or this path. But God, in your just incredible majesty, somehow you knew that I needed to read this verse on this day. And I signed up for that program. That was, this for me was one of the, the, the turning points when I was like, I need to do this. I need to um, quit this job. I need to take a year out and do this program. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. That was my plan. The path that I was choosing to step on was to take one year out, do this program, and then go back to my life. Do you know, after a year, I did a second year on this program. And then during the second year, I met a couple of guys from America. They said, we want to start this program up in America. Would you come and help get this up and running in America? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do that for a year. That's all they wanted. So I came here for a year. They asked if I'd like to stay for a second year. I said, yeah, I'll stay for a second year. During that second year, I met a young lady. She's right here. <laughs> I was going to make another joke about another. It didn't work out with her, but then I met Casey. amazes me that that day in breakfast, I felt like God spoke to me through his word. I wouldn't, I literally would not be here today, pastor of Connect Church, because I can see how everything led towards this moment. I think God wants to help us choose, but some, sometimes we get overwhelmed and worried, don't we? Like, God, what if I make the wrong choice? What if I, but you know what? When you're listening to God, when you're reading his word, he'll guide you. He'll show you the way to take. 
And if that's not enough for you, let me give you one third idea here, because I think this is super helpful as well, and I use this a lot in my life. The third idea is godly counsel. You can listen to Jesus, there's the word of God, but there's also godly counsel. This is huge. What is godly counsel? Godly counsel is just the people that God has put in your life. Maybe they're older than you, wiser than you. Maybe they've been following Jesus longer than you. But you know who they are. They're those people that you trust, that you look up to, that when you're facing some of those difficult decisions, when you're looking at two paths and you're not sure which one to take, you feel like you've heard maybe Jesus speaking to you. Maybe even as you're reading the Bible, you feel like you're getting some direction, but you're still kind of wondering. It's sitting down with that person saying, hey, can I share with you something that's going on right now? Can I get your advice? Can I get your input? I've got people like that in my life. As the pastor of Connect, I know more now than ever before. I need some people who are wiser than me, who have been in charge of churches for longer than me, who have planted more churches than me, who have spoken more times than me. I need to sit down with these people sometimes and say, hey, how do you handle this situation? What do you do in a situation like this? God's put people in our lives. It's even modeled in the Bible itself. As you look through the Bible, you can see situations like Moses and Joshua, Elijah and Elisha, Jesus and his disciples, Paul and Timothy, and many, many others. Examples of godly men and women raising up other people underneath them. Even Solomon himself tapped into the wisdom of his own father, David. God's put people in our lives, godly counsel. Now, here's the challenge. I think every one of us can think of someone. We can even go and talk to that person. But are we wise enough to then listen to their advice? I had a situation just this week, an opportunity for something, and I wasn't sure if I should do it or not, and I spoke to someone who is much more skilled in this field than I am, and he says, yeah, I don't think you should do it. And I found myself leaving thinking, what does he know? I still think it's a good idea. It wasn't a good idea at all, and I'm glad I passed on it. But even then, when I spoke to someone much wiser than me, I still found myself wanting to go on the other path. But God has put wise people in our lives. And we have to choose, am I going to make the ask? Am I going to say, hey, can I talk to you? And then am I going to listen to your godly counsel? Do you know that retail employees, cashiers at banks, okay, they'll go through training or they'll get different um, flyers they have to read on, on how to identify counterfeit money. That's part of their job. They have so many bills come over their uh, desk, their counter all day long that they're trained how to identify counterfeit money. Now, you would think that the best way to help someone identify a counterfeit bill would be to show them lots of counterfeit bills, show them all these different counterfeits. Um, but the problem is, there's always new counterfeits. There's always new uh, different options out there. So do you know what they do? They have them study authentic bills. They have them study the real thing. Then cashiers aren't fooled when a counterfeit comes along because they know what the real thing actually looks like. The more time and energy we spend getting to know Jesus... The real thing, his voice, his word in the Bible to us, learning from other wiser followers, the more we'll discern the right path to take because we won't be fooled by the counterfeit. You see, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. And I don't want to find myself on that path. Let's pray.
Father, there is so much wisdom in the book of Proverbs that we could spend weeks and weeks looking at all the different things uh, that Solomon and others taught us through it. And God, I found myself, even over these last couple of weeks as I studied it, really being drawn to this whole idea of the path that wisdom wants us to take, that in our lives we can, we can get very concerned and preoccupied about what if I'm taking the wrong path? What if I make the wrong decision? What if this isn't the job I should do? What if I should do this job? And Father, I pray for all of those here who are followers of you this morning, that they would just learn to be at peace and trust you, to remember that if we'll trust in you with all our heart and not try and figure things out, acknowledge you in every part of our lives that you'll show us the right path. But then on top of that, Lord, we can also listen to your voice every day. We can read your word. We can talk to others who are wiser and maybe more mature in their faith than we are. You've given us these wonderful opportunities to help us choose the right path. Because, Lord, Solomon cautioned all of us, and I pray that we would learn from this this morning, that there, there is a way that may appear right. We may think, this, this feels right to me, but it still leads to death. So God, if there are any here this morning who have yet to make that decision to follow you, maybe they feel the path they're on is right, Lord, I pray you'd speak to them, that they would know, Lord, that there is a, a loving God who loves them so much, who cares about them, who sent Jesus to die for them, that they would step out and have that relationship with him. We thank you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name.